the Public Service Alliance of Canada plans to ramp up its ongoing strike today as negotiations with the federal government continue to break down. Many Canadians are questioning the government's agreement with Volkswagen, which sees the carmaker receiving up to $13 billion in grants and subsidies to build an electric vehicle battery plant in St. Thomas, Ontario. At a time when countries are looking to lessen their dependence on Russian and Chinese oil, the majority of Canadians support growing our oil and gas sector. Hello Canada, it's Monday, April 24th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Rachel Emanuel. And I'm Andrew Lawton. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. So let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. It doesn't look like the public service strike is ending anytime soon. The Public Service Alliance of Canada, or PSAC, plans to ramp up its strike today by moving picket lines to strategic locations, including ports. PSAC President Chris Aylward says they don't want to disrupt the lives of Canadians, but they want to impact the economy to push the government for a solution. Negotiations between the government and PSAC are ongoing, but both sides continue to blame each other for a breakdown in communications. 35,000 workers at the Canada Revenue Agency and 120,000 employees in a variety of government departments, including tradespeople, teachers, firefighters, employment insurance and immigration workers, went on strike last week. The Union of Taxation Employees requested a 14-month backdated pay raise of 4.5%, a two-month backdated pay raise of 8%, a future pay raise also of 8%, and a one-time pay increase of 9% adding up to nearly 30% in raises. Andrew, this is kind of a bombshell story here, and I don't think it's getting the amount of attention that it deserves. Here we have PSAC president essentially saying they want to block ports and impact the economy. Aren't there like a number of people who are facing criminal charges for doing that same things in Coots, Alberta just last year? Yeah, you're right. And I should say that uh, picket lines and strike demonstrations are not like protests in the sense that they don't just want their message to be heard. They are meant to be disruptive. They restrict access to work sites. And in this case, they're going beyond work sites and trying to, as they say in their own words, uh, start bottlenecking access to critical infrastructure. This is the sort of stuff that brought in the Emergencies Act a little over a year ago. It's just so mind-boggling to me that he said this and that everyone's just kind of glazing over Like, okay, they're going to be ramping up strike efforts today. I guess we're going to have to deal with this for a little while longer. It's like people were freaking out when the Freedom Convoy was in Ottawa. They were calling it an insurrection. As you mentioned, the Prime Minister brought in the Emergencies Act. And here we're just sort of, oh, whatever. You know, they might disrupt some ports for a while. I think this is, again, when we're just seeing the outright bias in the coverage of the strike from the mainstream media. This is an insane thing that he said. It's openly admitting that they want to impact the economy and, you know, impact the flow of goods in and out of this country. Yeah, and you can't do this without doing damage on individual people, people who work relies on that. I mean, even when the Windsor-Detroit bridge was shut down uh, briefly during the convoy protest, not part of the the core protest, but a a sympathy protest, if you will, uh, the arguments that we heard from those who wanted to bring an end to it were that you're not just, you know, making a message that hurts Canada, you're hurting Canadians, the Canadians that rely on that trade, whose work relies on that trade. So I do think that for these people who ostensibly are standing up for workers, uh, they really have a short-sighted way of doing so. 
Canadians are questioning whether $13 billion for 3,000 jobs is worth it. The federal government and also the provincial government in Ontario were celebrating their agreement with Volkswagen, offering up $13 billion in grants and subsidies to build an electric vehicle battery plant in St. Thomas, Ontario. But uh, this is only going to net 3,000 direct jobs and 30,000 indirect jobs. The plant will cost about $7 billion. Subsidies will come into effect soon after its completion. And if you're doing the math at home, that works out to be $4.3 million per direct job. Seems like some better ways you might be able to spend that, which is why uh, critics of government spending have been very quick to question whether the numbers add up here. Uh, Canadian Taxpayers Federation Federal Director Franco Terrazano said the money would be better suited for Canadians who have been going through quite difficult economic times in the last few years rather than a global automotive giant. Conservative leader Pierre Polyev has been critical of the deal, arguing that taxpayers' money does not belong to foreign companies. Uh, People's Party leader Maxime Bernier says the government should scrap this deal and all corporate welfare and use this money to lower taxes for businesses instead. The problem with these things is that they're very meaningful in the community, which is why you had even the local Conservative member of Parliament in St. Thomas, Karen Vecchio, at the funding announcement. But the reality is when you're spending this much money for something that is supposed to benefit the country, you can't just look at how it impacts a few people in the community in which the factory is built. No, absolutely not. And I suspect there's a fair number of people within the community that even understand this is not a good deal for Canada. Ideally, we'd be the type of country that has limited regulation, that welcomes countries to open business here and create factories. But instead, here we are tempting them with $13 billion in grants and subsidies to come over and open a factory here. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I think it's even a worse look considering that this is a foreign company. It's not a Canadian-owned manufacturer like Ford or something like that. It just seems like a really bad deal for Canadians, again, from the federal government. Well, and the other aspect, too, here is that Canada was competing with the United States, which is a country 10 times the size with an astronomically larger GDP, where $13 billion is not a big is not as big a deal. So if we're going to be competing for business, we can't be expected to pony up the same amount of money in corporate welfare that the United States is. I know that MPs have asked to see the fine print of this deal, and I myself am eager to see exactly what we got ourselves into because you raise a good point, Andrew. We can't be expected to compete with America, and it kind of just makes you think that there was someone sitting in a room and America kept upping the price, and they're like, well, if America's willing to pay that, I guess we're willing to pay it too, without really taking a look at the fine print here and realizing this is an insane amount of money to spend on one plant that's creating, again, that's just 3,000 direct jobs. It's really not that many jobs. This is not a good deal for Canada whatsoever. And it's just one of those things that you kind of give your head a shake while Canadians are really suffering through this cost of living crisis, through this inflationary crisis that we're seeing right now. The federal government is able to come up with $13 billion for a foreign company, but Canadians can't seem to get a break at the pumps. They can't get a break at the grocery store. They can't get a break at their carbon tax bill. So it's just absolutely out of touch from the federal government. A recent nanopolls indicate 74% of Canadians consider the oil and gas sector to be important to the economy. Additionally, 62% of those surveyed agreed that Canada should increase its oil and gas exports to aid in global energy security. 
The poll also revealed 44% of Canadians rated the government's role in addressing energy infrastructure to meet their own climate targets as poor, or very poor, with only 8% seeing the government doing a good job. Despite increased demand, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has not made any significant commitments for Canada to become a major liquefied natural gas supplier. When Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida visited Canada in January, Trudeau claimed that the world is looking towards, quote, decarbonizing and diversifying, end quote, energy technologies, such as funding wind, solar, and electric car batteries. And in December, Trudeau claimed that there was, quote, no business case, end quote, for increasing LNG exports during German Chancellor Olaf Scholz's visit as the country seeks to reduce its dependence on Russian oil. While looking at this poll, we see that 74% of Canadians consider the oil and gas sector to be important. It would seem that Alberta's message is ringing loud and clear successfully across Canada, but also seem that more Canadians have more common sense than our own prime minister when it comes to the importance of the sector, although I'm not terribly surprised to learn that. No, and if people have an emotional attachment to a particular industry, that doesn't mean there's an economic argument. In this case, uh, Canadians have an emotional attachment to domestic energy supply and the economics add up and the ethics add up. I mean, the arguments against this really fall short. It becomes a, an ideological battle. The government just does not support oil and gas, so it does not support Canada's oil and gas sector. So when you have countries around the world that are saying we need more energy and Justin Trudeau says there's no business case, well, that's news to all of these people. That's news to Germany. Another interesting thing about this survey is when we look at the federal government's efforts to advocate for Canadian oil, of course, they're doing a terrible job. But this was actually something that former Alberta Premier Jason Kenney really shone at. I think he was at his best when he was advocating for Alberta energy and oil. He actually was able to bring West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, who's a Democrat, over to Alberta to do a tour and to learn more about our industry here. And as well, he received an invitation to a U.S. Energy Committee where he advocated for Alberta oil and he made the argument for increasing our own exports as it is ethical oil compared to some of the other countries that are producing this. So I think Alberta is doing a really good job at advocating for their own industry. It's just too bad that the federal government doesn't want to join in and make the case as well. And of course, as you mentioned, we even have Trudeau saying, well, there's no business case for it. When here we have a whole province jumping up and down and screaming, there is absolutely a business case for it and we would love to be a part of it. Yeah, and I think really this is not an issue that should be left or right and it's become that. I, I mean... Rachel Notley, for, for all of my faults with her, was far better on oil and gas than the average NDP or, or even the average liberal anywhere else in the country because in Alberta, this isn't a partisan issue. This is the lifeblood of Alberta, but you have to look at the national picture here and everyone wins when we support the oil and gas sector here. That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media. You can do that over at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.